Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. And welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano for the second time, permanently, but for the second time on this podcast. And we are very thankful that you are with us. So Monday, when we introduced you to Stephen, we previewed people talking. We previewed a preview. And now we're going to recap a preview. While talking what, what, about while talking. other people talking. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> We're making gold, uh, podcasting gold here. I mean, I love media days. I, I really do, because this week would be tough without it. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess we had the NBA Finals last night, uh, Go Small Markets, really happy for Giannis. But otherwise, this would be a really tough week. So we have this, but when you lay it out like that, we previewed people previewing, and now we're going to recap people previewing it feels silly when you as, think about as it. As maligned but. as it can be, you're right. It, it's kind of a godsend this week. Oh, it is. It's a great event, too, and uh, a lot of stuff that came out of it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, what Lane Kiffin said, what stood out, what Matt Corral said, how he acted. And it's a good thing, by the way. I'm not saying how how he acted has such a negative connotation. You know, we're going to talk about how Matt Corral acted at media days. Your first thought is, wait, what did he do? No, he was very impressive, actually. So we'll talk about that. And then defense. Something that was said about what the defense is doing this offseason is a very good thing, but also makes me wonder, what the hell were they waiting on? So we'll get to all that on the podcast. But first, I do want to remind you, if you're listening, by the way, subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get them, Rebel Report will do uh, will do the trick. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe there and leave a rating and a review. Tell us what you think about Steven. Even if you don't like him, <laughs> yeah, just make sure it's a five-star rating, you know? It was it part of my take that does the leave us a five-star rating and, and make it really bad, like roast us in a five-star, and then they'll rate him at the end of the show? Uh, those are always good and funny. Anyway, do that. And also, the podcast is brought to you by ABS, Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. Uh, they are a office technology solutions company based in Jackson, or they started in Jackson, but they service the entire state of Mississippi. So if you're looking for any office technology, like copiers and printers or mail machines, voiceover, IP phones, cloud storage, data security, stuff like that, Advantage Business Systems is the place to do it. ABSMS is the website, and uh, they'll give you a complimentary office technology assessment. So if you want to find out what they can do, if they're right for you, they'll let you know and give you an assessment for free. So uh, give them a shout and tell them we sent you. Also, podcast brought to you by LBs, just across from Kroger on University Avenue. LB, LBs, whew, talking too fast today, is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat, and especially with the weather, the way it's going to be. Saturday, 88 and sunny, perfect Oof. grilling day. So get that started at LB's. Tell Greg and the good people at LB's that we sent you. They are right across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. So uh, overarching thought, before we go kind of one by one by one, your thoughts on what you heard yesterday from from Kiffin and his two players. You know, I think we talked about it the other day of how these guys try not to say a lot of things during media days, but I think there was enough that they – I don't think it's by accident, but you were able to get enough little nuggets of information through a lot of coach speak and player speak. 
And that was kind of my overarching takeaway from, from the day. And of course, there's so many different places that they talk to that you try to find basically the theme of what they were talking about during each appearance, whether that's their two separate appearances up at the podium or on with, you know, different radio shows and all that kind of stuff throughout the day. Uh, A few things. So he was what we expected, right? I mean, he, for all the joking and stuff about Lane Kiffin, uh, there was a few things yesterday that stood out to me. Uh, You know, he's got this history and the Joey Fresh, all that stuff about Lane Kiffin. Uh, He's mastered the art of coach speak. He sounded like a coach. Uh, Still had some funny moments, like when he was talking about you know, his weight loss, and that's because he decided he's going to stop eating until they play good defense, and so that's why he's been able to lose a bunch of weight. Uh, he does look good, though. I mean, he's lost weight. He looks like the Lane Kiffin that was at Tennessee and not the Lane Kiffin that spent his first year in Mississippi. Yeah, when he showed up to the uh, to his introductory press conference, I remember him saying that, uh, that he went to Alabama, gained a bunch of weight, and had to borrow his suits from his agent. So it looks like he's, uh, he's slimming down a little bit. So, so that was funny. Uh, his comments about Bryce Young, he was asked about the million dollars that Bryce Young has already acquired, and he even stopped his train of thought answering another question later in his press conference to go back to saying, wait, really? He doesn't need to play against us. That, um, and there's a report out there, by the way, that that number may have been a little inflated. I wouldn't doubt it. And Nick Saban speaking in Texas to a bunch of Texas high school football coaches. <laughs> uh, there's no way that Nick Saban would have possibly uh, buttered up a situation for recruiting, is there? No, no way. No. Well, and in, what's it been, 20 days since NIL officially took effect? You're telling me you were able to make a million dollars in 20 days? And we haven't seen it. Yeah. Like, wait, who's, who's giving him the million dollars, and where where does that advertising begin? It's a lot of car dealerships in Tuscaloosa, I guess. So that was funny, and all that, and, and that was vintage Kiffin. He mastered the art of coach speak, but something that really impressed me, um, he seems to get it. You know, I mean, there's other coaches that have talked about transfers and NIL and stuff like that, and... Now, there was one coach today talking about transfers, and he said, oh, it's too easy to transfer, and it's it's all bad for college football and all that. Lane Kiffin gave a, a really good answer on that yesterday when he was asked about players transferring in the portal and how it's changed college football. I think they were directly asking about Jacquez Jones, who transferred to Kentucky. And Kiffin's response was, uh, you know, you have assistants that get mad at the prospect of a player transferring, but you're the guy that would pick up and leave tomorrow if you got a better opportunity. So will it change things? Yeah, but if you can do it, why can't the kids? And I thought in that moment, I was like, this guy gets it. Like for all the stuff that's around him from his past or whatever, you know, he spends a lot of time in Boca fishing and he's got a young girlfriend and all that stuff, but that's a guy that gets modern college football. Modern players, he relates to them more than most every other coach in the country. Like, there's something about the way he's running his program. And you heard the quotes from the players yesterday. They've they've put more work in than they've ever put in their life. And also, they're having more fun than they've ever had. So, the the work-life balance, if, if you will, apparently is excellent. And then the perspective on the changes that are coming in college football, his mindset is, I mean, I could do it. Why can't they? Well, it's very perspective, and, and that's awesome for I think Ole Miss. that's pretty crucial, too, because when you're a program like Ole Miss, 
You're not Alabama. You can't walk into a, a recruit's living room, throw your rings down on the table, and say, come be a part of this. You have to show that you're adapting to the changes and that you're willing to give these kids a unique experience. And when you hear that from the players and you hear that from Kiffin himself, I think that's only a net positive. You brought something up right before we recorded. I'm glad you did. Uh, He was asked about fourth down decision-making and how he's got a book, basically, that he follows. And there's a lot of factors that go into the book. Uh, He kept calling it a book. I assume it's some kind of thing that he has on him to look at in in certain situations. Somebody's got a big binder up there, I'm sure, that's full of all this nonsense that no one can actually (laughs) understand. He's very analytically driven. And last year... Ole Miss went for it on fourth down more than any other team in the SEC. and Second most in the country. I loved it. Who was number one? Do you know? I think Navy. Okay. That's surprising. Yeah, you get into all those fourth and ones, fourth right, and inches yeah. with the option. It's easy to try to get that one half inch with, uh, with three different guys that could run the ball. So they went for it on fourth down, the most in the SEC, second most in the country. And that puts so much pressure on defenses, and it didn't always work. And... You know, we talked about this during the season. I forget what game it was. I think it was Auburn, maybe, where they went for it on a couple fourth downs, or was it Mississippi State, and they weren't successful, and a lot of people were screaming about, you got to kick the field goal there, you got to kick the field goal there. No, you can't be selective with when it works and when it doesn't to decide if the decision was a sound one, especially when you don't have a reliable kicker. And that's what he talked about yesterday, his fourth down decision-making, what goes into it, of course, his position on the field, score, that kind of stuff. But he mentioned, as you pointed out, when you have a kicker that you rely on, it changes your book. Or if you have a kicker that's not very good or struggling, it changes your book. I feel like that went into a lot of decisions last (laughs) year, obviously. But it was kind of funny to hear him say that out loud, what everybody else was kind of thinking. Yeah, and I said it on, I think it was either our final edition of the Sunday show or the one right before that. I really do think that the kicker position is going to be one that wins Ole Miss a game this year that they otherwise wouldn't have last year. And I think you're going to see Kiffin make more of those decisions this season, whether to kick a field goal and maybe just, you know, let the defense give it another try. And that was the other part of his quote was, you know, when your defense isn't playing well, sometimes you have to be more aggressive on offense, and that's what they were trying to do last year because they knew whether if they kicked a field goal or if they punted back to the other team, the other team was going down and scoring a touchdown. I don't think he had much confidence at all yeah. in that unit, and why would he? It was obviously Second one of the worst, worst in college fo- or in SEC football history as far as yards per game. Yeah, and so that tells you all you need to know as to why they went for it 33 times. And while that number is not going to drop drastically – this upcoming season, I think it will fall a little bit, and it'll be some of those more fringe decisions of would you have gone for it, would you not have, some of the more debatable ones from a season ago. And I think the question, the reporter, I don't remember who it was, brought up the point, seven greater than three. You have to kick three field goals to surpass seven. So if you go for it on fourth down and get it half the time, that's more points than kicking field goals every time. So it's always going to be part of what he does, this new aggressive style of coaching and play calling that he and Jeff Levy have implemented. Like you said, it's not going away. They might, not might, I think they will kick more field goals because the thought is they will be much better at that spot. They can't get any worse. Cannot. So. Po- I mean, they really can't get worse at kicker, with all due respect to a guy that I'm sure worked really hard. It really is hard to... 
envision a scenario in which they get worse. But seven greater than three, they're going to continue to go for it on fourth down. But he specifically mentioned, like you said, field goal kicking and defense. So if they're playing better defensively and their kicker is more reliable, possibly going to see fewer risks taken in that regard. Defense, another area where they can't get any worse. Yeah. Oh, well, you say that. We've uh, we've heard that before. <laughs> um, he did say something insightful, though, sort of, uh, about Jerry and Ely. Now, it's something that we've talked about a good bit. I think we talked about it on Monday, even. We did. Uh, and he confirmed what we were all thinking and, and expecting anyway. But he was asked about Jerry and Ely and uh, basically said, you know, we can use them in different ways. And I was having the conversation with somebody this morning about Old Miss's running back room. And is it the most talented one they've ever had? It's a loaded question. I mean, the, you look back at some of the rooms that Ole Miss has had in the past, and there's really good ones. I mean, Deuce McAllister is an NFL Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, he's not bad. Uh, well, maybe he's not an NFL. Is he an NFL Hall of Famer? We have the magic of technology. No, I, I, don't, I, don't I think know he he's is. not in yet, but is like, it, oh. should he be? I don't think so. Eh. I think Saints Hall of Famer. He, for I was going to sure. say he's a Ring of Honor guy, and Ring that, of that's Honor probably guy. where it ends. And, and injuries kind of derailed uh, that shot. But either way, I mean, Deuce is a, is a legend, so you know you can debate it either way. But the fact that this running back room is in the conversation is pretty remarkable in the depth of it. So you've got Ely, you've got Snoop Connor, who would start at what ninety five percent of programs in college football. Yeah, probably. I mean, honestly, Definitely I think get so. carries, yeah. In the SEC, I don't think he would start at Alabama or Auburn. He would get carries at both. Probably wouldn't start at South Carolina. Yeah, that's the one position that they've got. That's the only thing that they're— Well, they have a defensive end, apparently. It's a uh, first-round guy. But, I mean, that's literally it. Like, it, it it's a, a tough roster. Um, but where else wouldn't, wouldn't he start? Maybe A&M with Spiller? Right, but the I mean the fact that you're even having this conversation <laughs> with Ole Miss's backup running back is impressive. Yeah, it says a lot. And then people inside of the program think that Parrish is the best of the bunch, and he's like, you know, by usage rate this year, possibly going to be number three, and they think he's the, the most talented one. So it's a really deep room, and of course the conversation about Elijah Moore. How do you replace Elijah Moore? Matt Corral said yesterday, you don't. So what do you do? Kiffin said it in the press conference. Use him in different ways. The comparison's an easy one because he's right down the road from where we sit, and I'm also a Saints fan, but them using Ely like Sean Payton uses Alvin Kamara would be a matchup nightmare in the SEC because when you use him in that way, uh, when you flex him out, have him catch passes out of the backfield, you're inevitably going to have him matched up against linebackers and you're going to win that matchup. Yeah, SEC linebackers are fast. They're not Ely fast. There's a difference between oh, yeah. those two. For sure. So, I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, we Again, we talked about it on Monday. Yep. But hearing Kiffin say that, it's kind of refreshing knowing that I'm not a complete moron when it comes to <laughs> thinking <laughs> stuff like this. But it, it makes total sense, and it will make that offense more dynamic. I mean, think about a two-back set featuring Ely and Connor, or Parrish and Connor, or Parrish and Ely. The flexibility that you have and the mismatches that you can create by having those guys in the backfield catching passes out of the backfield and not just being running backs anymore. Yeah, I don't know how you scheme for that. And, of course, at any time, you can give either one of them the ball, and they're bound to make a play. And you've seen it in the return game with Ely. If you just get him in space, he's going to do great things for your offense. So 
putting him out there in a slot receiver position, even just for a few plays, that's also adding something that the defense has to scheme for going into a week. So you're you're taking time out of that preparation for them as well. And on top of that, what's so impressive, I mean, it, it's been repeated by everybody, but it bears repeating. Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing in college football. I mean, there are guys that, I mean, Mike Leach, I, I know last year didn't go particularly well, but for two decades, he's done the exact same thing. At tough places to win. Two of the toughest places to win. You ever been to Lubbock, Texas? Oh, boy. Uh, I, I've heard you say not glowing things about the area. I mean, getting players there. I mean, getting fans <laughs> there is remarkable. I, I guess people are just gluttons for punishment. But, I mean, he's got a two-decade sample size of having really good offenses, successful teams at tough places to win. He hasn't changed a thing. It's the same thing. It's worked for him. But last year, every week, there was something in the offense that you hadn't seen all season. Every week, there was something new. And it was catered to exploit the defense's weakness. And that sounds so elementary, right? But it's really hard to do that and do it well. Yeah, to break the tendency it. for a head coach that's been doing something for so long, that's got to be difficult. And here they are. Yeah. So, and it, it took until that South Carolina game for Elijah Moore to line up in the backfield. That's why no one saw that coming. Yep. And it worked. There, there was something that they saw on film that South Carolina, there was something about it that they saw for one game, Elijah Moore plays running back. And it was a success. And they only did it once because that's how they could exploit South Carolina. Next week, it's going to be something else. It's crazy how, they're, how they were able to do that. But when you have players with a diversity of skill set like Ely, you can do stuff like that. Speaking of diversity of skill set, he talked about Plumlee yesterday. What would you think? He did, yeah. He finally kind of alluded to the fact that that position switch may be coming. Not maybe. It is coming. It's, it's already here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so when he mentioned Plumlee being in the mix at the wide receiver position, him publicly acknowledging that I think is a big step. Of course, that opens up other questions about who your, uh, who your second-string quarterback is going to be, and but we'll find that out later in camp and all that kind of stuff. But I think Plumlee does present... Again, a really unique option for Ole Miss in the slot. Put him against a linebacker who's winning that race every single time. Yeah. So I, I think that was a, a big thing for him to publicly mention. I do, in the way he worded that too, maybe I'm just reading too far into it, uh, leads to something that I talked about on here a few weeks ago or last week. Uh, some people, some people need to temper their expectations for what Plumlee will do for this team this year. Oh, yeah, he's not going to be a 1,000-yard right. wide receiver right out of the gate people, or anything like and that. People think that, and I understand why, because they love the kid. But when Lane Kiffin says he's in the mix or will be in the mix, I, I would tend to believe him and not even look at that as coach speak. I think at the end of the day, when you've got a quarterback like Matt Corral, a running back room like we talked about, proven wide receivers like Braylon Sanders went healthy I mean, Dontario Drummond, look at Matt Corral's highlights last year. Who was catching a lot of those deep balls? It's Drummond. And you add this transfer from Western Kentucky, and yes, it's a completely different level of football. But he still has a 1,000. It was like an 800-yard season his last time. Yeah, a different level of football at the wide receiver position still, I think, demands more respect as a wide receiver than a quarterback switching from quarterback to wide receiver. Will he be involved in the offense? Yeah. Of course, will he be catching a thousand yards worth of passes? I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath. Matt Corral, 
He was different yesterday. It's really different. In a good way. Yeah, good uh, to preface it that way. In a good way. There, you know, he had that interview with CBS. Did you read that article? From Dennis, from Dennis Dodd? Dodd? A little bit. I was able the, to kind of skim through. The quotes were great. And, you know, he's a more successful writer than I could be, I guess. It was formatted so terribly, though. Like, what an opportunity. You've got a quarterback, a Heisman contender, possibly. The preseason should be the preseason first team All-SEC. I think that will be the case when those are released tomorrow. I've seen that more often than I thought I would in some of the less official ones. I thought it would be all Bryce Young just because of Alabama hype. Or JT Daniels, based more on merit, but I still think Corral should be that guy. I mean, the guy at the Athletic, Dane Brugler, had him as the number 3 draft-eligible quarterback. If that comes to fruition, that's a first-round pick. It's a top-15 pick if he's the number three quarterback off the board. Um, all of that it could have been – you have that guy, and he's giving you raw quotes about last summer during the protest and stuff where one of his teammates said, forget this, different word, uh, Matt, what do you think about this? You're our quarterback. You need to speak. And apparently that moment went really well, for, which is a good thing. Um, but he talked about mental health, uh, about a situation with Rain Gretzky's kid when he was in high school that people have kind of talked about but danced around. And he was giving you all these raw quotes, and, like, it, it was formatted so terribly. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he was like that yesterday. Uh, he's a guy that's kind of been through it. He's been through it on the football field with multiple different coaches, I mean, the the deal with Rich Rodriguez after Phil Longo leaves and he gets in a fight in the Egg Bowl, all this stuff happens. And then he had the situation in high school with Wayne Gretzky's kid and getting in a fight and having to move schools. And uh, one of his close friends goes to jail. I mean, he, he had been through it a little bit. And at times, I don't want to say showed immaturity so much as it, it felt like he wasn't ready for this. Yeah, there were interviews. Didn't get that vibe yesterday. Yeah, there were interviews with him a season ago, where you could tell he was uncomfortable in that spotlight. And I I think yesterday, on such a grand stage like the one that they provide in Hoover, I think he he showed himself really well. And and what I like about him is he is still edgy. Like, you know, it it feels like he's grown into this moment, into this position, but he's still got that edge, you know? Yeah, you can't lose that. And some people don't like this. Like, he still, he cusses, you know? He's got this edge about him. He's he's a little cocky. He's a little confident. But it was different yesterday. It was really different, and the way he's carrying himself was really impressive. It doesn't matter, because what matters is on the football field. But when he was talking about his interceptions last year, he owned it. Mm -hmm. You know, he brought up the Arkansas game. He said they were throwing a coverage at me that I had never seen before, and I just kept making mistakes. But I've seen it on film now. I'm prepared for it. He said, that's all on me. It just the, the ownership of that last year, the ownership of being a leader, embracing expectations, heavy expectations on him. And that was something that I talked about wanting to see from the Ole Miss contingent on Monday when we were talking about this, is how were they going to handle those expectations. And I think this is a first step in that, showing that you can, you can act the way he acted yesterday in front of all of these media members from not just – Ole Miss and, and Mississippi from all across the SEC footprint. I think that was big. It was really big. He took ownership of it. Um, he looked comfortable in that situation, confident. I mean, 
I don't know, man. It's just talking season. That's all it is. But I, I was really impressed w- with him and, and how he carried himself and the things that he said. And most importantly, it's the same offense. I mean, Jalen Jones talked about how Matt studies different. He he he's working differently, and Corral said it as well. It just you know, he said I'm preparing differently. Coach Levy and Coach Kiffin have me looking at things differently. Uh, if that's true, if he's actually doing all that, imagine last year's Matt Corral, but somehow better. That's a first round pick. It's a Heisman contender. It's there a team was, that can win double-digit games if he plays like that. There was someone, and, and I'm forgetting who it was, that mentioned Matt Corral could have the same kind of rise as Zach Wilson did from yeah. you know from year to year and obviously ended up being the second pick in the draft. So, again, it, it's very early in even this talking season portion of the preamble to the 2021 season. But if he continues to handle himself this way and plays the way that he is capable of playing, then that's that's not out of the question. No doubt about that. So that was, uh, for whatever it's worth to you guys, again, it's media days. It, it is not anything official. Uh, what matters is what happens on the field. A good media day performance has never led to a win or a loss. It just does not matter. But your quarterback said the right things, carried himself the right way, and was really impressive uh, it, on the SEC network and, and everywhere yesterday, for whatever that's worth to you. And the defense. Jalen Jones was really good also. Poor kid, he's been through it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, multiple, multiple season-ending knee injuries. and He was a Hugh Freeze recruit. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Was, that was a long he's, time ago. He's been been through a lot of changes within the program, and I think he's he is a good steady personality to have in that locker room. Mm-hmm. He... You know, he said all the right things as well, you know, working hard, getting better, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's you got all the stock answers from him, as you should. Um, there was something he said that that I liked, but also made me wonder. He said that, or I think it was Corral actually, said that the defense is practicing without coaches, that they are getting together on their own and, and preparing for the season, and that's something they haven't done before, which is a great thing, right? Them putting in the extra work is always a good sign. It's awesome. But what the hell was the culture at Ole Miss football before Kiffin got there to where it is impressive that they are putting in extra work? You know what I mean? When I heard that, I was like, well, that's really good. But also, wait, why Why? Why is that supposed to be good? <laughs> right. like, what were they doing the last few years where that's like a selling point? That they're, hey, they're organizing workouts together on their own without the coaches. I mean, what culture did you have that made that acceptable to not be doing that? Yeah, I actually that that quote didn't hit me that way. Actually, so you bring up a really good point. Me and you, you know, we'll walk past each other in the hallway and talk about the show. No one's asking us to do that, but we still do that. So it's the same thing for these guys, and it should be being done at a much higher level. And they should have been doing it for much longer. But they're doing it now. Yeah. They're doing it Better now. late than never. Better late than never. Uh, Jones mentioned Jacob Springer is a guy that fans will be impressed with. Remember, he's the Navy transfer, guy that could not play last year. And uh, was listed as a linebacker at Navy, but is going to play more that hybrid like safety a, yeah. kind of role at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um, talked about him extensively and said that he's going to impress. He expects him to impress. And 
And that's the key, right? There was nothing we learned yesterday about that defense, really. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin had a joke about losing weight in the defense. That was funny. And Jalen Jones said all the right things and was a very good representative. But, you know, they just got to go out and prove it. And there's a lot of new faces. I, I heard somebody yesterday say that in the offseason, they didn't do enough to address their issues on defense. And my thought was, what the hell? You, what? <laughs> I, I mean, the... The the two defensive tackles are going to be guys they acquired in the offseason. Their starting middle linebacker is a guy they acquired in the offseason. And their secondary, Jacob Springer's a guy that they got in the— I mean, what half the deep, more than half the defense, and by the end of the year it's going to be more than that, are guys that they acquired this offseason. What else do you want them to do, right? It's not yeah. the NFL where they can just go—I mean— they can't draft players, sign players, I, and they I mean, did what they could. They did what they could. I, I thought this offseason, as far as acquiring talent, they did a great job of it. I mean, the recruiting class was good and solid and had a bunch of secondary pieces and good ones. And the, the final piece that they added to that recruiting class, they they held out all the way until the regular national signing day, was Tywone, Tywone yeah. Malone. I'm going to butcher that. Those letters together are going to be tricky. But, I mean, he's a 6'4", 315-pound Freshman, that's not a guy that you wait for him to develop. I think you're going to see him in the rotation from the get-go. They need those junior college guys to play right away. They're going to need him to add some depth. Uh, a couple four sure, stars but... in the defensive backfield that, like you said, I think you'll see them come along maybe as the season progresses. So I think you're going to see a completely different defense in 2021. Maybe not production. We have to wait and see there. But as far as names on the yeah. field, so I don't know. Whoever said that, I don't know what they're paying attention to. Yeah, when I heard that, I thought, wait, what, man? I mean, look, pull up your Phil Steele and look at last <laughs> year's starters versus this year's starters. Very, very different. Very, uh, very different. So uh, all in all, pretty good day, right? I think so. Your main goal at SEC Media Days, I think, is to not have a bad day. And Ole Miss did exactly that. They had a very good run-in-the-mill day. They didn't sensationalize anything. They didn't say anything too crazy that's going to get anyone in trouble. So I think that's what you're shooting for. Yep, and uh, they did just that. So now the talking is over for Ole Miss, and uh, time to prove it. Time to prove it. So really good day. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back Friday, and then next week uh, we'll be a little disjointed. I'm going on. Uh, I'm, I'm going away <laughs> for a little while, and uh, I need that. So uh, anyway, we'll be back Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again on Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. Media Production.